Hi guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. Today on the podcast, we have Bruce Lipton. Bruce is a cell biologist and lecturer and an internationally recognized leader in bridging science and spirit. Bruce has been widely known as a notable, the most notable biologist for his views on epigenetics. In his book, The Biology of Belief, which was a major bestseller, I think it was one of his first books, he claims that beliefs control human biology rather than DNA and inheritance. He can be slightly controversial, uh, being sarcastic, uh, but there is a lot of research and science that he can back up his claims with. It will be a very interesting podcast for you guys who are not familiar with uh, Bruce's work. Uh, He is uh, really amazing. He's done a lot of groundbreaking work in stem cell research at Stanford University. Um, His, like I said, his best-selling book of biology of belief. He also wrote The Honeymoon Effect and spontaneous evolution. Bruce received the 2009 prestigious, I don't know how to pronounce this, but Guai Peace Award in honor of his scientific contribution to world harmony. Please enjoy this podcast. I really enjoyed speaking with Bruce. We have Dr. Bruce Lipton, who is actually a stem cell biologist. Um, but you merge science with spirit. Is that an accurate way to describe what you yeah, do? Yeah, well, it's sort of, um, uh, it was revealed to me via the science. <laughs> you know, there was no devotional, like, oh, I like the idea, and let me think about that kind of stuff. You know, it's like, uh, that's not what happened here. That This is like, oh, my God, there's a physical mechanical connection here, which is like, ah, I'm not in here. <laughs> uh, and that was a moment of, well, if I'm not in here, where the hell am I? Of course, I'm out here. And uh, then uh, I use the analogy of a television and a broadcast. I say, you're, you're looking at the, the Bruce TV show right here. Is a broadcast is coming in. Uh, and, and then uh, the fun part about that is I say, you're watching TV and it breaks. I say, yeah, TV's dead. It's not working anymore. And I go, is the broadcast still there? And the answer is, of course, it's still there. <laughs> uh, and that was a moment of like, I can't die. I'm not in here. <laughs> that's that's a good way of actually describing it for because let me let me just speak about my so for my audience I want to start from the basics, right? Because your whole belief system is that we are not victims of our heredity, correct? Or 100%. 100%. Right. And then we basically we are we can control and we are um in charge of kind of what happens to us physically, right? We manifest kind of like what happens to us on the yeah. physical. So our brain basically or our mind controls our body. hundred uh, percent. And the fact is there are six or I think six um, uh, illnesses associated with a single gene. Uh, and that, and that is a small percentage of the entire population. The L- simple point, 1% of illness, less than 1%. Of illness is connected to genes, and over ninety percent is connected to stress and lifestyle. So it basically says, stop looking for the genes as a problem. It's not the problem. It's how we're living is the problem. So yeah, and I mean, like, so you're so also like I, I I'm I'm fascinated by your your work because you've been around for 
you're like a pioneer in this. You've been around for what, 30 years doing this, 40 years doing this before? Um, more. <laughs> more? 50 more. years doing this? Uh, let's see. 50, uh, 67 plus 50 is how much? That's a big 67 plus 50. What are you, 120? (laughs) (laughs) No, I started doing this research in 67. Oh, in 1967. Okay. So, and then from you, I mean, now you have so many other people who've kind of like taken some of your stuff, like your, your work and your studies and have created like their, like huge platforms for themselves. But like, you know, it's, it, it, you know, Joe Dispenza and all these other people, like you were the first before all of these people. And I find it like just your work is so fascinating to me because you actually are a science. This is all science back too. This is not just, you know, kind of like just kind of loosey goosey stuff. You've not, actually not been able to prove I this. I was, I was a non-spiritual, a spiritual science person. And when I understood the nature of how the cell worked, which is not the story that almost everybody has out here, uh, I realized at that point, especially in quantum physics, uh, is that, um, oh my goodness, uh, the whole illusion of this material plane, uh, all of this is, is a consciousness thing, you know? And I mean, that was 1927, Max Planck. Uh, said in 1927 in founding quantum physics that the mind is the matrix of all matter. Uh, and what he was saying was everything is created from consciousness. And that is the current, still the current understanding of quantum physics, that consciousness is creating and manifesting this. And then I go, well, that's a problem because there's two sources of consciousness. And if you get them confused, then the world is upside down and, and the sources are the conscious mind and the subconscious mind, I say they they have different functions. They learn in different ways uh, and how they operate are, are very different. And we always attribute everything to the conscious thinking mind. I go, no, 5% of the day is conscious thinking creation and 95% of the day is uh, a manifestation of whatever programs you were downloaded with. Uh, and therefore... You're only controlling your life about 5% and 95% comes from a, a, a processor, the subconscious mind, which is 1 million times more powerful than the conscious creative mind. So I go out well, mathematically, uh, 5% of the day with a little tiny mind, 95% of the day with a mind a million times more powerful. It's like you're not, your life's not coming from your consciousness. Your life is coming from your program. Wow, that's so powerful. And then the, I guess the question to me, what the question, the first question I have for you, if 95% of what we do on a daily basis is subconscious, right? Yes. And, and we really have very little control consciously of what we're doing. Um, With your conscious ha- mind, you have very 5%. Uh, uh, and that's, and that's, uh, again, with a small processor. Yeah. So then, so where is it coming from? So how do we, do we, if we're not, we're not aware that we're doing that, right? So it can be pretty detrimental or not detrimental. Where that's where victims come from. Oh, right. what happened to me? I go, no, you didn't, you created what happened to you. That didn't, it didn't, you're not just there receiving stuff. You are participating in manifesting this reality. But 95% of the day, you do not observe your own behavior uh, and there's reasons for that. I think we should start talking. Otherwise, we're going to uh, uh, let's start the no, show. No, talk. <laughs> we are talking. No, no, no. This is we're we're doing it. This is you're on. You're talking about it. Oh, that 
That's what I'm saying. I want to hear you're, you're, I, I don't waste any time there. Okay. I, I, I go, I go right into it. That's why I want you to tell me. I want you to I tell will, me. I will tell you the secret. <laughs> okay. Tell me the secret. I want to know. Okay. I want to know. The brain is it. a computer. It's the most uh, powerful computer known to humans, the brain. And I go, well, what about it? I say, well, as a computer, it also has the same uh, systems parallels with our silicon-based computer, but this is a carbon-based computer. I go, so what? And I say, story, the old days, go to the store, buy a new computer. I say, okay, bring it home, push start. Yep, it boots up, screen lights up. And I say, okay, do something, write a, you know, an essay, uh, make a drawing, do a spreadsheet. And you go, I can't do it. And I say, what do you mean? You got a brand new computer. I said, not until I put programs in the computer can I access the, the, the computer. So there's a hard drive with programs in it. And then there's a keyboard where I put my information into the computer through the program and express it. Okay? That, that makes simple sense. I go, the human brain is a computer. It boots up in the last trimester of pregnancy. Screen's on. I say, yeah, but you've got no programs. I go, Okay, from the rest of that trimester for seven years, the brain is operating at a lower vibration. I said, what the hell does that mean? It's new age. I say, it's not new age. I say, you put wires on a person's head. It's called electroencephalograph. I'm reading brain function by vibration levels. And I go, alpha and beta are conscious vibrations, but theta is just below alpha. And I say, why is that important? Because alpha is consciousness. Below consciousness uh, is uh, theta. I say, well, it's not conscious. I go, no, theta is imagination. And I go, for a child for the first seven years is living in theta. And I say, well, imagination. I go, what? Mixing the real world and the imaginary world is a character of theta. I go like, oh, uh, tea party, pour nothing into the cup, drink the nothing. Oh, that's a fabulous tea I ever had. And I go, that's Theta. Riding a broom, calling it a horse, that's Theta. And I go, but most people don't recognize this. Theta is hypnosis. That's the state of hypnosis. And I say, so why is it relevant? I say, okay, why did nature put this together like this? I go, because culture changes all the time. I can't program culture. So I say, but culture is complicated. I go, what do you mean? I say, what are the rules to be a member of a family? You know, what, how do you behave? Uh, what, how do you do this? I say, oh, yeah. <laughs> what are the rules to be a functional member of the community, the world? And I go, if I give you a book of all the rules of behavior, of how we have to respond, it'll be a thousand page book of all the rules of, you know, like how a father talks to his own kid. It's not how a father talks to the neighbor's kid. It's not how the father talks to the wife. It's not how the father talks to the neighbor. It's not how the father talks to the policeman. I go, oh my, geez, just how my father talks. I got to have now how many levels of uh, rules. An infant can't learn those rules fast enough by book or whatever hell way you want to do it. I say, well, so how does nature do it? And I say, nature makes the first seven years of your life where you are predominantly in theta, which is hypnosis. And I go, so why? Because you observe your parents, you observe your siblings, you observe your community, you download their behavior as programs. So I go, why is that relevant? I say, well, first of all, you're not there. And I go, what does that mean? I say, who's filtering? I say, there is no filtering. You just get downloaded whatever the hell you've been experiencing. Uh, I go, why is that relevant? 
because whatever you're downloading the first seven years become the programs that you operate from, okay? But then most important point, they didn't come from your wishes and desires, they came from observing other people. So those behaviors don't manifest what you necessarily want. And if they have a glitch, you downloaded that glitch. Okay, so I go, so what? I don't need the, the programs because I'm going to type on the computer. I'm going to put my information in, conscious mind, subconscious mind, hard drive, programs. I go, yeah, fine. Here's the problem. And this is the biggest problem. And if you, people don't wake up to this, then the world is lost. And I go, what is it? And I go, only 5% of the day are you typing on the computer, putting what your wishes and desires are. Conscious mind, wishes, desires. I go, yeah, but that's 5% of the day. I say, so 5% of the day you are going toward wishes and desires. I go, great. And I go, when you think, and this is the big, the whole thing is here. Thinking is an internal job. Observing the world is an external observation. If, you know, if I'm looking at the world, consider the body of vehicle just for a second with a steering wheel. And that the conscious mind, when it's got its hands on the wheels, is driving you to where? Wishes and desires. And I go, then what? I go, when conscious mind is thinking, it's not looking out the window anymore. It's now looking inside. A thought is inside. So if I say to you, uh, tell me what you're doing on Sunday a week from now, and you go, uh, you know, you look around, it's not written there, but I bet you in a moment you think, and you go, Oh, yes, on Sunday, we'll do this. I go, well, when you were thinking, you weren't looking out. A thought, you had to go inside. I go, what if I'm driving my vehicle? And then I I start thinking, I let go of the wheel because I'm inside. And I go, subconscious is autopilot. I go, what does that mean? The moment you were thinking, the subconscious takes over whatever you're doing, walking, driving, doing your job. Anything that's been learned in your life as a habit will now manifest right out of You don't have to pay any attention to it at all. I go, why? Because subconscious is, is autopilot. I go, so why is it relevant? Okay, so here, 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 here's a realistic thing that many people have experienced, but it, it brings a point. And I go, like what? I say, uh, let's say you and I are in a car. And we're driving and we get into a conversation and I go back and forth, back and forth on the conversation and everything. And then at some point I look out the windshield and I realize, oh, my God, I've been driving for the last five minutes. I haven't paid attention because I was so involved with my discussion. Now comes the most important point. What what was your discussion about? And I go, oh, we talked about this and this and this and this. Next question. And so what was on the road when you were driving? I go, I don't know. I didn't pay any attention. I was talking. My attention was over here, not out here. I go, yeah, but we drove that entire time. I didn't hit anything, kill anything. I didn't crash the car. We're we're right on track. I say, what was the point? And this is the point. We'll emphasize it again, and this is serious. I go, when my conscious is focused on other than looking out, then the subconscious program takes over. I go, yes. I go, So you told me about the conversation, but you didn't tell me about the driving, what was happening, how you responded to it, what was going on. I go, and the problem is this, I didn't see it. And I go, so why is it relevant? (laughs) Here's why it's relevant. 95% of the day, 
You are driving this vehicle with your conscious mind and thought. I go, what does that mean? I said, well, if you're thinking 95% of the day, then the behavior that is coming out is not coming from your conscious mind. That's busy thinking. So the behavior that you express 95% of the day is what you downloaded. So if you downloaded good programs, fine. 95% of the day, autopilot, subconscious, taking you someplace good. But most of the downloads that we got, up to 60% or more of the downloads that we get from our parents and our community are self-limiting, self-sabotaging, disempowering. I go, why is it relevant? Then 95% of the day, you are not even going near where you want in this life. You're going where that program is sent you. And then you might say, but I would see if I was doing that. And I go, a story that I've that I only told about 40 years, same story. And that is this, you have a friend, you know your friend's behavior, you know your friend's parent. And one day you see your friend has the same behavior as their parent. I go, so uh, you go to your friend and you go, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. Back away from Bill. I know exactly what Bill's going to say. Bill's the first thing Bill's going to say, how can you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. And I go, that's the, the prime story of the lifetime. I go, why is it relevant? Everybody else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. Where did he get that program? I would say first seven years, he learned how to be that program. And I said, but here's the point. Bill didn't see he acts like his dad. I go, why is that relevant? Well, if he has a negative program from his father, then 95% of the day he's playing programs that he's not observing that are sabotaging him. And I go, but then since Bill does not see his own behavior, then here's the summary. Bill wakes up in the morning. Today's the day I'm going to get healthy. Today is the day I'm going to find love. Today is the day I'm going to get the best job. And I go, great, 8 o'clock. Comes home at 5 o'clock going, it didn't happen. None, none of those things happened today. And then I say to Bill, why didn't they happen? And Bill will go, well, that person did this, and this, that happened over there, and, that, and that's the excuse why these things didn't happen for me. And I go, problem? You didn't see all day you were self-sabotaging yourself, and the results you saw were from your own actual <laughs> behavior from the subconscious mind, which did not take you toward wishes and desires at all. And then you feel so, like a victim. And that's where the world is caught right now. Most people look at their lives as not being successful, as being victims of an outside world. And I go, <laughs> excuse me, quantum physics, and I call it the most valid science for a simple reason, is because the theories that were brought up in 1927 almost exactly describe what we know today. I mean, it was right on from day one. <laughs> and I go, so what? I go, primary principle, primary principle, quantum physics, consciousness is creating our life experiences. And I go, why is that relevant? Our own creation is what we're manifesting. And when we don't believe that we're involved, because why would we make stupid things like that? And I say, you didn't. It was your program that made you do stupid things. You didn't see it. You believe you're a victim. I say, what is victim? Powerless. I go, why is that relevant? Because a massive population on this planet is powerless in controlling their lives. And they have no idea about why. And as a result, all of them, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. I'm a victim means powerless that I go, but you're not. You are playing a program. And I go, well, 
When did I get these programs? I say first seven years. Why? Because your computer can't work until you put the programs in. How did I get them? Hypnosis. I downloaded them. What are they? Oh, that comes to the interesting question for this reason. You were not conscious when the programs were being downloaded. Your conscious mind doesn't really kick in predominant activity until around age seven. And conscious is creative. Theta is <laughs> hypnosis. It's hypnosis. Okay, so wait, I want to just uh, stop you for one second because you said a lot of things and I want to unpack them a little bit because there, there, there are a lot of points in there. So if, if we are programmed, um, basically our subconscious has been programmed for us for the first seven years of our lives and we're not aware of that or cognizant of that happening, what is the process of reprogramming if we don't even know we're programmed in the first ah, place? Well, I was going to jump to that one because that's more fun. I go, what do you mean? Well, what the hell are my programs? I was not conscious when they were downloaded. So therefore, I did not filter them. And that's the most important point. Because if you were conscious, you would say, oh, that's a bad program or this is a good program. And, you know, and you handle it that way. And I go, ha, huh, you weren't conscious. So bad, good. It's all downloaded. And I say, so what are my programs? I go, you weren't there in that last trimester of pregnancy when it started. You consciously weren't there from zero to one. That was a whole year you were being programmed. You weren't conscious. You weren't there from one to two. That's another whole year of programming. And by the time you started to get into three, you might have glimpses of some memory. And I go, so why is it relevant? I say, so what are your programs? Uh, because why? You don't know. <laughs> you are not there. Now I can tell you, but I can tell you what your programs are. You ready? Your life is 95% from your program, 5% from your creative, but 95% you're playing straight out of the program. And I go, so why is that relevant? I say, your life is a printout of your program. I go, yeah, but what does that mean? I go, look at your life right now and recognize a simple fact. The things that you like, and wish and desire, and they come into your life, they come into your life because you have a program to acknowledge and accept them. Here comes the other one. The things that you wish for and desire to have, and you have to work real hard, sweat over it, put a lot of effort into it. Man, I'm working on it. I'm going to make it happen. And why are you working so hard? <laughs> and the answer inevitably is this. Whatever that destination you were seeking is not covered by your program. And therefore, you're trying to override your program with effort. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to sweat over it. I'm going to make it happen. I go, you're going against yourself. <laughs> I say, why? It's the program that's not letting you get there. I say, what are you trying to do? I'm going to override the program. And I go, oh, okay, mathematics now. 5% of the day with a little tiny processor, 95% of the day with a million times more powerful processor, you think that conscious mind is easily going to override the subconscious program? You go, no. And since most people don't even know it's a subconscious program, they struggle their life not with a, you know, against the world. They struggle because their own program doesn't acknowledge that opportunity. And that's the wake-up call. What are your programs? Okay, just look at your life. 95% is the program. So wait, so then basically you're saying that the things that we struggle 
with the most, the things that we try the hardest for or work towards like our Achilles heel or like, or whatever it is that are just, that's just not clicking. That's just not happening for us. Yeah, You're saying it's because we're not in our, in our big, you know, operating system in our subconscious, we have not been programmed to be efficient in that way. Right. percent. This, so you know, that, let, let me just stop for a second, Jennifer, because here's a story. Very simple. Uh, rich yeah. dad, poor dad. Yes. That's a great book. So what does it mean? <laughs> if I came from a rich family, I got programmed in the beginning of being rich or, you know, having money. Uh, and I go, if you come from a poor family, you have been programmed not to have money. And, and I say, so why is it relevant? Well, if I grew up in a poor family and I'm trying to make money, 95% of the day, I'm getting what? A program. Who do you think you are? You're a poor person. You can't get there. You can't do that. And they struggle to make it. And, and even a rich person, you know, <laughs> former president <laughs> grew up in this. And I go, well, is he, is he wealthy? Well, to a very large degree. Is he intelligent? Not necessarily. He's playing a, he's playing a program that he got from his, his family of how to make all this money unconsciously. So unconsciously. Unconsciously. And so all of us are unfortunately living unconsciously. And, and I go, so why is it relevant? I say, well, if you want to know about your life, you just brought that up. And I said, well, your life is a printout. Then all of a sudden, because the next question you're going to come up with, I believe, is, well, what if I have a program that doesn't support me? What can I do? Is that, is that right. possible what the question would have been? A hundred percent before even before exactly you're very, very, very you're on point. You're on point. You're 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 amazing. The only thing be, before you tell me though how we reprogram, what I want to and I agree with you because I see that all the time, right? That's a great example of like if you come from a rich family or a poor family, it's true. I just recently saw somebody who made a fortune, not because of any other reason, but because not because they worked so hard for it, but because they were in the right environment, they got the right opportunity. It was exactly what you said. So when people actually who come from nothing, end up really succeeding? Yes. How was it that there's, a, there's always an exception to every rule? Good and question. it does happen. Great question. Okay. Because Why is that? In, uh, parenting, uh, I, I'm involved with an organization called the uh, Association of Prenatal and Perinatal Psychology and Health, okay? Uh, and, and in parenting, we bring up that topic very specifically. How did somebody from the lowest ranks of, you know, programming rise to the highest level? And the answer is really cool. They use other entities as their programmer. Instead of watching the parents, or the family, some will pick Jesus. Uh, that's my programmer. So they get programmed by by that 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 part because they're not open to the programming from their own parents. Okay, so I say, oh, well, they're not they're not you know uh, you know uh, inhibited from getting where anywhere by program because they're not they're not listening to the bad program. The resilient wonders use other people as their programmer. Their you know, star Albert like, Einstein, so, Pope, Jesus, Mohammed. <laughs> if you start, did they do yeah. that at, did they do that at an early age? So you're saying between the ages of zero to seven, they weren't for whatever reason, they were focused on other things or other people that took them kind of like away from, because like a couple of people who are in foster care who have no parents or right. like been beaten or molested, 
how did you know and then they rise to the ranks right well how are and they there's actually two help? ways you know it's interesting because we're talking about resilient wonders i say what are those i say these are the ones that come from the worst conditions in the world but end up with programs that allow them to become totally successful and then i go the other side which is really bad and i go the they uh, have lost connection uh there's no programming it's not understood i go where are they autistic they don't even come out <laughs> they're inside they don't they're they're walled off from the world why it did not support them it did not and so when you're in a protection mode which a child will be then protection is wall yourself off growth is open yourself up protection wall yourself off i go ah you can't be in growth and in protection at the same time so if you get into protection you actually close yourself down Okay, an autistic child is one generally that has closed itself down. It's too sensitive for the world in which they're living. And because of that irritation, because of their high sensitivity, it's best for them to shut down, and not take anything in. I'm not I'm not participating. I'm here. But for, yeah. for someone who's not autistic, though, someone who's just like a who's a regular child who rose to the ranks of extraordinary yes. later on in life, but they had a terrible, what, so what, what happened to them? So besides, so if they didn't have parents and they were in foster, I'm just making this up. It's a, it's a yeah. fictional, but, yeah. and they were, you know, molested or whatever. And they had really terrible things that happened to them and they became superstars. Yeah. How, where were they at such a, when they have, when they are basically in theta in this like, you know, hypnosis mode, where are they looking for where who are they guiding or who, how are they becoming that, that, how, how is their yeah. program okay enough for them to not okay struggle later when a child is being abused they shut themselves down okay mm. oh their i see mind, that's the protective mode yeah, that's but the their protective mind mode. can open up with i'm not paying attention to what's going on here right. i'm not looking but right their consciousness could be focused on anyone else, a Bible person, a, a neighbor, a teacher that they that really connected with them. Somebody else will allow them to open their eyes. And if that somebody else has a, you know, a, a great program themselves, <laughs> then that child has just copied that program for them, not close themselves off from parents, open themselves up for hero, whatever hero they choose. Right. And then th and, that hero is the programmer, not the parent. And so they're probably not even conscious of that happening to them. It just is when they grow up. I mean, they don't have the same uh, struggle, so to speak, no, with whatever actually, that thing is. They disconnected, so they didn't get engaged in the struggle. They just disconnected. I'm not paying disconnected. attention. Disconnected. Wow. So, um, so then, yeah, now you can answer the question about for the, for the, for the majority of us, right. Who yeah. have this like faulty programming that we're really kind of living out our lives in. Yeah. H how do we, when we figure, and I guess one of those things where you would notice, I guess when you, when someone is struggling or kind of like beating their head against the wall, yeah. that's kind of a sign to them that aha this is not in your programming right so how can right so then how can someone you know override that and then fix their program okay well the first thing we have to distinguish is the two minds learn in different ways and that's where the problem comes from the conscious mind is creative wishes desires all that wonderful thing imagination great subconscious mind is hard program just what that program is okay and i go subconscious mind listen is habit mind i go 
What does that mean? I go, habits. I go, what are habits? Programs that do not want to change. If you, if you change a habit, it's not a habit anymore. You put a habit in, and now you got it. And I go, you know, everyone sometimes thinks that that subconscious where evil comes from. I go, no, subconscious is a hard drive on a computer. Is your, is your hard drive bad or good? I go, well, it depends on the programs. I go, oh, now we got back to the problem. It's the programs. You have good programs. I go, when did you learn how to walk? Before you were two. And I say, well, uh, how long is that good for? I say, you could be 102. You're still walking. Same program you got before you were two. Habit. So habits resist change. That's the first thing you have to understand. So I say, subconscious mind's habit mind. There are programs in there that resist change because if they change, then they're no longer habits. So I go, so how do you get into that mind? I go, the conscious mind being creative can learn in any number of ways. It's creative. Read a self-help book, go to a lecture, watch this podcast. You can learn stuff like that. Boom, boom. I go, where's that learning? I say, conscious mind. I say, did it go in the subconscious mind? I go, no. That's where the problem comes from. You read all the self-help books and you're still the same person you were after you read all the books. I go, you're totally. smart. You're smart. If I gave you a quiz, that conscious mind would answer all the questions. I say, yeah, but it didn't change your life. And the answer is, because the subconscious mind does not learn that way. So, you know, that's where frustration comes from. Uh, I, I love this frustration as well. I keep talking to myself to change the damn program. And I go, who are you talking to? Oh, I'm talking to the subconscious. I go, there's nobody in there. It's a hard drive. You can talk to your blue in the face. There's nothing in there to hear you <laughs> respond. So let's stop that game. That's not working. Okay, so I say, how does the subconscious hard drive work? Okay, and the answer is simply this, that it is the first seven years, it downloaded programs in a state of theta, which is hypnosis. Okay. It's a vibration. I said, there, as a child, you start with the lowest vibration, delta, which is sleep. That's what the baby the first year is predominantly in delta. It's sleeping most of the time. And then the next, as it develops, the next higher vibration is theta. Ah, hypnosis, imagination. And then around age seven, the vibration kicks up to another higher level. Now it's alpha. That's calm consciousness. And by age 12, it kicks into even higher vibration, which is schoolroom focused work, you know, the intense focus, okay? I go, so what? I say, well, an infant builds them up. An adult has all, all of these levels. I say, so let's say right now uh, we're in our beta and we're, you know, thinking and doing all this stuff like this. And then I say, well, now it's five o'clock. Let's go home. I say, what happens if you go home? I say, you calm down. So I say, so when you're relaxed, alpha. Just calm consciousness. But the moment you fall asleep, the moment alpha consciousness disconnects, you just went to sleep. Consciousness is not working now. But the vibration is still going down. So the next thing after alpha is theta and then delta absolute sleep. So I say, well, every night when you go to bed, the moment the conscious mind disconnects, I'm sleeping. Theta is operating, so whatever is coming into your receptors is not going into the conscious mind. That's sleeping. Whatever is going in now is going into theta, which is subconscious mind. So I said, huh, but theta is hypnosis. I go, precisely. So every night when you go to bed, 
if you put a pair of earphones on, you have a program playing, giving you positive affirmations or, you know, giving you a wonderful program of something you want that you struggle with. I say, then every night you put the earphones on, you go to bed, and there's a short period where the mind is in theta while that program is playing, and now it's going straight into the subconscious. That's called self-hypnosis, okay? But you have to repeat it because as it's going down, it's not a long period in theta each night It's because it's going down to delta of absolute sleep. So repetition is involved there, okay? So that's number one, self-hypnosis. Uh, th- that's what those those programs are. You know, I was going to say tapes, but that dates me 50 years ago. <laughs> programs, okay. What uh, what type of program? So this is this, this is all the this is the kind of stuff I like to hear. Like I like I like when we get very practical, actionable things that people can do to change their lives. Right. Well, so you're that, saying this is it, right? So you're saying. To reprogram your subconscious mind, the first step is to go back to that place, which is theta, which is self-hypnosis. And right. the, I love what you just said. So before you go to bed, that's when you're really kind of in that state. Just at, just so like, the moment you're just the moment before you close your eyes, you're in the last stages of alpha, and now just dropping into theta. So the moment you close your eyes, like now I'm sleeping, right. whatever's coming through that program, your conscious mind did not hear it. So, right. So, so let's say I say, okay, so let's say one of my blockages is that I want to make a lot of money. I want to be really successful or I want to lose a lot of weight. Okay. Those two are probably two very popular ones that people people are struggling with. So then what do they do? They, they, they have affirmations of like, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be rich. And they put that in their, in their head. I have to, there's a very important, it's so important and it seems so trivial, but it is the most important thing in the world. Because if I put in a program, I want to be rich, I shall be healed, I will get a relationship, I say, let's record that right now. Let's say I have a problem with relationships, and I'm going to now put a program in tonight. I'm going to say, I will find love and happiness. I will find love and happiness. I put that program in there. I say, let's record it, because that's what subconscious mind's doing. And I say, fine. Now, let's come back one year. I say, push that record button. Let me not record, but the playback. Just give me the playback. One year later, I will find love. I go, you had a whole year. I go, what's the point? You program the will to find love. You never programmed I am loved because uh, that means you're on a perpetual search because you can't get there if the program is you will, shall, want, you know, a future thing. Because then it's just saying, oh, when I engage this program, it's always a future thing. It's always a future thing. It's like, well, you can't get there. So, and it's hard because the thing you're missing or lacking, whether it's health or relationships, and then I say, yeah, but when you put the program in, you don't say, I will get better. (laughs) I am better. I am healthy. I have love. You know, all of these have to be, and this is so critical. Positive, present tense program. It has to be positive, and it has to be as if you got it right now. Uh, I'll give you a reason for it now. So here's my little, uh, you know, sidebar reason. The function of the mind, this is, it's short, and it's so powerful. The function of the mind is to create coherence between your beliefs and your reality. 
And I say, why is it relevant? I said, if I have a belief not good enough, then what do you think the function of my mind is? To make me good enough? Uh-uh. <laughs> it's to make sure that my belief is true. I'll go out, unconsciously sabotage myself, and then at the end of the day, go, see, I, I wasn't good enough. I go, well, <laughs> that was your program when you started. At the end of the day, it's even more real because <laughs> that the mind is going to make it real. So that is the most important insight, that whatever program you're putting in, has to be as if you already have what you wanted. Because if you put any future tense in there, then by definition, you will never get there. It's the, that, that old story of the carrot and the, uh, uh, and the horse, you know, with the, the carrot <laughs> yeah, in yeah. front of it, and the Dangling. horse is moving, moving, moving toward the carrot, never get there, okay? So the hard part, you could be dying of cancer. I go, yeah, but what do you think my statement's going to be? I am healthy. And it's like, Come on, give me a break. You know, I go, no, you're telling your subconscious I am healthy. And then when that is a program, by repetition of that program, then the function of the mind is to ensure that your belief becomes real. You know, and this is a problem. Okay, is is this valid in any sense? I go, 100% valid. I go, give me an example. I'll tell you an example. Placebo effect. What's the placebo effect? Is like, this pill is going to make you healthy. But you believe the doctor, you believe the BS about the pill, you believe it. You take the pill, you get better. I can put the pills a sugar pill called placebo. Then I said, then what healed you, the sugar pill? No, your belief of a vision, I am healed by taking this pill or doing that surgery. That's the vision that then becomes manifest. And everybody goes, oh, yes, placebo. That is an extension of what is called positive thinking. Placebo is positive thinking. It says that this is going to heal me and uh, fake pill. Okay, so what? Let let me just add this part because this I have to wrap it up here for this part. I go, we've always talked about the result or consequence of positive thinking. And I go, what about negative thinking? Ah, We don't talk about that. I go, sorry, folks. Negative thinking is equally powerful to positive thinking, but the results take you in the wrong direction. A negative thought will manifest. Oh, I just got diagnosed with cancer. I'm going to die in three months. They die in three months. They didn't have the cancer. They believe they had the cancer. And if the belief is true and the mind makes that belief real, You'll die whether you have the cancer or not because you've been programmed by a truth provider. That's where the problem comes from. We bought that the doctor is the truth provider. I go, in our normal growing up, most families, when somebody's sick when they're young during the programming period, I say, what well, when it comes to health? I say, well, if mommy's sick, she goes to the doctor. And dad, when he's sick, he goes. And when I'm sick, I go to the doctor. And I say, what did you learn? And the answer was this, when it comes to health, I'm not the professional, but that doctor is a professional. So whatever the doctor's words are, they become your program. So a prognosis is not a suggestion. It's a script of a future. This is going to happen and this is going to happen. You go, well, that's the truth that I bought, that I gave truth to that person. And so their truth becomes my program. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, you know, a prognosis that's not very positive 
is a sentence to experience those things. Okay. So the, my point is, I'm sorry to keep going on, but uh, no, I, I think that's very, it's very valid. And I like that. I, I, I just wanted to ask yes. something or I know because, and I was going to talk about this a little bit, you know, you mentioned it already about cancer, right? So let's say someone has, God forbid has cancer and they, and I'm sure you've heard this a million times, right? Like, but I did everything right. I did the I, I I did the positive affirmations. I believed it. I did it with the with the earmuffs or my my headphones, and I went into the theta state. And they still ended up passing away or not getting better, or the cancer spread because everything so you just said required conscious activity. And I go, yeah. So what is conscious activity? I said five percent of the day. I don't care. You got cancer. You're not spending more than five percent of the day talking about I'm positive, I'm healing, I'm okay. It's not even five percent of the day. And let me give you a very important biological fact. Okay. There is not one gene that causes cancer. There is no gene that causes cancer. Genes are correlated with cancer. Um, women are nervous about the BRCA, the breast cancer gene, and then they get diagnosed with it. What do you think is on their mind? What picture is on their mind when they get that diagnosis? Holy crap, I'm going to get the cancer. I go, geez, that's a bad vision because that's where it's going to come from. It's lifestyle, bad programming, not the gene. 50% of the women with the breast cancer gene never get the cancer. What's the point? Possession of the gene didn't cause cancer. Possession of the gene in a lifestyle that doesn't support you, that will cause cancer. But when you kill the cells, and this is the whole problem, well, I got cancer and I went to the doctor and they radiation and chemotherapy and they killed my cells. I go, the cells, that wasn't, the, that, that's a symptom. What do you mean? I say, it means the cells are telling you you're not living in harmony. And I say, you kill the cells. I say, so what? I say, you didn't pay attention to the symptom. Guess what? It's going to come back because it was, it's the, not, the, the cancer cells are not the cause of the problem. They have become engaged as a consequence of the problem. Kill all the damn cancer cells you want. You didn't kill where the problem came from. Problem was above the cancer cells. It was a life of disharmony, no hope, uh, no love, no, the positive things that we look for are not in that person's life. And I say, yeah, but they're thinking about all the positive healing. I go, okay, that's 5% of the day. Is it going to work? I go, no, nope, 95% of the day. Mine is going to take the program and manifest it. More from our guests, but first a few words from our sponsor. So with hybrid work becoming the new norm these days, the strongest teams have two things in common. They have speed and alignment. Speed is literally the new currency and competitive advantage for companies across every industry. And not all work collaboration tools are created equal. Some help you with organizing the company's information, while others help you project manage. But what I love about Notion, it does both. For companies of all sizes, Notion provides one central and customizable workspace and can be tailored to fit any team and bring all teams together to get more done and move faster. Yay. Learn more and get started for free at notion.so. You can check it out on your own and invite as many folks as you want to see how it works. Take the first step towards an organized, happy team today. Again, go to notion.so. And now to our next sponsor. 
So a lot of investment apps make it easy to start trading, but just because it's easy to do doesn't mean you know what you're doing. That's what makes Wealthfront different. They make it easy to invest and they make it easy to get smarter about investing. After answering just a couple of questions, Wealthfront will build you a diversified portfolio of low-cost index funds in just minutes. And best of all, Wealthfront is totally automated. They do all the trading, all the rebalancing, and they can even help you lower your tax bill while you invest. To start building your wealth and get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash hustle. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash hustle to start building your wealth. That's wealthfront.com slash hustle to get started today. Is it too late also if somebody's you know, lived a life of negativity and um, unhappiness and victim, and then they get the cancer. Yeah. Is it then too late sometimes to then sh- have that mental shift where then they can... It, it's, um, not, it's not mechanically, physically, chemically too late. It's not at all. I say, well, how do you know? I go, well, you know, uh, one of my dear friends is, uh, her name is Anita Morjani. And she wrote a book, Dying to Be Me. I'm, are you familiar with that book? I hope you are. No, I'm not. <gasps> no, I'm not. Well, she's your next guest. <laughs> really? What's her What's her name? Anita? Anita Morjani. M-O-O-R-J-A-N-I. Okay? Okay. Let me just, a synopsis of this is that um, she had cancer for four years. Uh, you know, diagnosed, treated for four years. And uh, at this point in her time, four years, uh, she's now in a hospital. She's on support systems because her system is shut down. She's so emaciated that the cancer lumps are sticking through her body. Okay. And I go, what, what about that? I mean, she, her doctor called her family and said, listen, uh, uh, Anita's in the last stage, she's in a coma. And, uh, the oncologist, when my patients go into a coma that you better show up because this is the end coming. She had an out-of-body thing, which I can see from science because that's what I talk about a bit, okay? And she resolved the issue that was an issue with her father. And and she resolved that issue. And it was all about she thought she had lost his love, and it was a story. That's the book, okay? I go, so what? At the last moment, she was given a choice. Do do you want to go back or you want to stay here? And she loved where she was. Why? After writhing in pain and cancer and all that stuff, she was free. The energy was good. She was happy. Why would you go back, you know? Except that her husband, Danny, was in the hospital while she was in that coma holding on to her. Danny quit his job two years earlier to take care of her for two years while she had cancer. And he was there holding her hand. She saw it from above that he was there. And, and then she realized if she didn't go back, he, was, it, it, he would suffer. So she said, I'll go back. Now the miracle. <laughs> she wakes up from the coma. And she says, I'm hungry. <laughs> it's like, hungry? You know, it's like she, her system is shut down. Then within seven days, all the cancer was essentially gone. And then uh, the doctors for another seven or so days kept saying, it's in there somewhere. There's a cancer in here. 
Every wow. test, no cancer. <coughs> Excuse me. The point, she was on her last moment of life. She was on a machine support. When she woke up out of that coma, the support system was taken off. And, and then her life came right back. And she's now giving you know talks all over the place because she came back on the last day of her life with terminal cancer on a machine, in a coma, done and comes back healed. So the question is, is it too late? And I go, well, Eden <laughs> Majority says from not, and it's like, oh, that was a misdiagnosis. I go, that's, oh no, four years of medical records uh, and anything else. All you had to do was just look at her body because the cancer lumps were sticking out of her body because she was so thin. Uh, and, and it's like, no, that was not a misdiagnosis, folks. She had terminal cancer. The last day of her life came back after having an experience out of her body and her body just went boom came right back to life again and she's as healthy as anybody on this planet and that was her last day so if people are going wow. that course how how when was that how long ago was that was was that in hold on was she in the in that documentary heal probably that woman? i think she probably was She's a dear okay. friend of mine. Uh, I'm going to go see her this coming week in, in Sedona. That's That's a, a fat, a, amazing story. Let me ask you something. I want to ask you something. So let me, God forbid, okay, if you got diagnosed with something terrible like that, yeah. cancer, so would you not take any medication? Would you just use your own thoughts and belief system to hopefully cure you? Here's the point. Each of us is different. Each of us, it, it will take some effort to get to this place, okay? Now, some of us might not have that much effort to get there fast enough. So I say, so what does that mean? I say, well, maybe you need a treatment because the cells are, are you know, going faster than your ability to catch up. Mm. So I say, okay, well, go through this. But the primary emphasis is just to stall the cancer while you get your consciousness back in control to take over again. Okay. Uh, and it takes time for some people. Some people are ready to go right now. Okay, I'm ready to go. Uh, I, I hope never to see a cancer. I have no idea. If I did have a cancer, uh, basically, I sure as hell wouldn't rely on the medical industry to uh, cure my cancer. Uh, that, that's an unlikely event uh, at this time. And, you know, <laughs> how, many, how many years of cancer research, how many billions of dollars of cancer research uh, since the 30s? And I go, and what are they doing? The same treatment they did in 1930, uh, radiation, chemotherapy. I go, that's the same story for, you know, all those years now. Uh, and I go, because they're trying to think that the cells are the cause of the problem and not go to the higher level and say that that person's consciousness, you can try to fix everything below this head, chemicals, drugs, and all that. I said, but the problem doesn't start down there. Problem always starts up here. Well, not always. Less than 1% of disease started down here. <laughs> Over 90% of it was lifestyle stress right here. So if you keep fixing down here, here's where the problem is. I said, that's the manifestation of the problem. The problem didn't start there, it started up here. Uh, and so, but most people buy into the story. Oh, who am I? I'm just a victim of this thing. The genes did this to me. I'm nobody. The doctor says that if I do all this stuff, I'll get better. I go, well, if you believe the doctor, there's a possibility in that. But in most cases, the treatment 
is if you if you took a healthy person and gave them the same treatment that a cancer patient gets, the healthy person will get very sick. Will be very sick. I go. What does that mean? I say the people that have cancer are already very sick. They get the treatment; it pushes them even further over the line. And the idea is no. <laughs> We have to start with who we are, and yet the programming of almost everybody out there is genes control my life. I'm a victim of my heredity. It's running in my family. Uh, a simple story is studying the fate of children adopted into families where there's cancer running in that lineage. The adopted child will get the same family cancer with the same probability as any of the natural siblings, and the adopted child came from totally different genetics. The cancer was a programming consequence, not a genetic consequence. 90% of cancer has no hereditary linkage to the patient. <laughs> and it's like, where did it come from? Consciousness. I say, yeah, but they don't have a cancer gene. I say, consciousness can alter the reading of your genes to the extent that a gene is a blueprint to make a protein. Let's back it up just one step. The yeah, human yeah. body is a protein machine. 100,000 different proteins assembled to make this human body. When you look in the mirror, that's a protein machine. 100,000, it's sort of like Lego uh, with 100,000 different sized parts, and you assemble them, and voila, you made a human out of it, okay? So the proteins are the building blocks. They're very complex. So I go, so what? I say, well, you need a blueprint to make a protein. I go, oh, that's called DNA. It's a blueprint to make a protein. I go, right, right. and I say, why is it relevant? And here's why. You go into an architect's office, and she's working on a blueprint. And you ask her, is your blueprint on or off? And she would look at you, what, are you crazy? It's a blueprint. There's no on and off. Exactly. Genes cannot turn themselves on and off. They are blueprints. I go, why is it relevant? And I say, Everybody's been programmed. The gene turned on. The gene turned on. I go, no, gene doesn't turn on. A gene is a blueprint. An architect, though, can read the blueprint. And an architect could also change the blueprint. And I go, who's the architect? The mind. And this is a science called epigenetics that is new. And the public has not really grokked or understood what is the meaning of this. And the meaning is this. Let's say this disease is under genetic control. That's a story. And I go, what does that mean? Genes control this disease under genetic control. I say, no, this disease is under epigenetic control. I go, sounds like the same thing. I go, no, epi means above. They call skin epidermis. Mm -hmm. I go, why is it relevant? I say, because underneath this top, there's a layer called the dermis. And epidermis translates as above the dermis, epi above. Now let's go back. This disease is under epigenetic control. I say, what does that translate as? Control, epi above, control mm -hmm. above the genes. That's the new revolutionary science. I say, why? The program that almost everybody has out there is a program, genes determine the character of my life. I'm a victim of my heredity. I didn't pick them. I can't change them. They turn on and off by themselves. I'm a victim. I go, story is completely wrong. Genes do not turn on and off. They can't. They're blueprints. I say the mind controls this. And this is above the genes. Well, they say the environment. <laughs> I go, look, 
I knew that 1967. That's when I, I saw that. And they always talk about the environment. And I go, what people haven't translated most importantly is this. The cells in your body, like your liver cell, is not in contact with this environment. My liver cell in here is not seeing this. But the liver cell has to adjust its biology to complement that. So whatever happens out here, my liver cell will adjust. I go, but how the hell does the liver cell know what's going on out there? It's inside. The brain receives the signals from the environment and then releases chemistry that is complementary to those signals to the blood, which is where the cells live. I go, so why is it relevant? I say, your brain is translating your environmental signals into chemistry. I say, what? I say, close your eyes, you open them, you see someone you love, the brain will translate love into beautiful chemistry, uh, dopamine, pleasure. Of course, love is pleasure. It'll do oxytocin. Yeah, bonding to that love source. It's, uh, it's taking that image and creating, it releases growth hormone. Growth hormone? Yeah, it does exactly what it says. I say, why is it important? I say, when people fall in love, they glow. They're healthy. I go, how is that? I go, because the chemistry from love enhances vitality. That's where the growth hormone comes from. I go, great. Then I say, okay, wait. I open my eyes. I see something that scares me. I go, none of that love chemistry is coming out of the brain. Now, stress hormones and factors that affect the immune mm -hmm. system, they come out of the brain. So I say, my brain is translating the environment into complementary chemistry. And I go, if I have fear, then I'm going to get in protection, shut myself down. If I have love, I'm going to be open and take it in. And I go, what determined that? And I go, the picture in the mind. I say, then what, how'd that do? I say, because the brain translated that picture in the mind into the chemistry that complements the picture. I go, so why is all this relevant? I say, my liver cells do not know what's going on in this environment. They only get it through the interpretation of this. And if my interpretation is good or bad, that makes all the difference in the chemistry that's coming into my body at that moment. And so I say, right. the environment, because the epigeneticists, the, you know, the formal guys with the white lab coats and all that, uh, and environment controls genes. I go, yeah, but you have to understand this. The cells in your body do not touch the environment. They're isolated, but they receive information, interpretation of that environment through the nervous system. And I say, so why is it relevant? And the answer is this. I misinterpret the environment. I sent the wrong damn chemistry in there. Now my life is not in harmony with this outside environment. Two people can stand in the exact same mm -hmm. place, the exact same environment, and have totally different responses to it. Why? Because it's an interpretation of environment that the cells see, they don't see the direct environment. And I go, why is it relevant? I say, how did you learn to interpret <laughs> this world? If you have a lot of negative interpretations and everything you look at will be causing you to be shutting down and scared, put me more in protection. I say, that's where the stress is causing illness. We have a health crisis on this planet. I go, we spend the most money here in the United States on health in any country in the entire world. And we've got yeah. some of the worst worst health statistics. And I go, what's the issue? And I go, well, the issue is simply this. They keep looking at the physical body. That's where the problem's coming from. I go, no. It all starts with this. And I go, quantum physics says consciousness is doing this. Epigenetics 
says consciousness is controlling this. And all of a sudden I say, well, then stop trying to fix the body when the problem occurred up here. Because less than one percent of anything that happened down here was because of something down here. Well, what's in, what's interesting is like twenty years ago, even ten years ago, people would have looked at a lot of this information as a gobbledygook, right? Yeah, and, some of them and, still do. And, <laughs> and, 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 and honestly, most people still do. Yeah, but 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 at the same time, there's been slightly a switch where more and more people I'm finding um, are well. People now know that stress causes illness, right? Negativity causes illness. Like there, there's been a slight shift. I mean, it's not, it's not at the level, of course, where you are, but I mean, I feel like it's one of these things where it's like you, it's like the crazy professor, like 20, you know, and then all of a sudden, a hundred years later, everything kind of comes to like fruition with that stuff, you know, well, like I, slowly, I slowly. 19, I saw it in 1967. It was only in 1990 that science recognized what I saw 23 years earlier. It, well, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, people know negativity, stress, stress causes way more in, in, like illness than a lot of like that. That's like the number besides heart disease. I mean, stress causes heart disease. Stress is like usually fundamental in lots of these Diseases. Every, virtually everyone. Heart disease, 90% is stress already. They were, that's a given. That's, they already started it's, it, that. It's stress related. Now, the question I do have Wait, is- Wait, I didn't finish. I have to finish oh. something. Uh, you know why? Because why? we talked about changing the program using earphones at night during the sleeping part. And repetition and repetition. And repetition of that. But then I also say, after age seven, you still downloaded habits, but not through hypnosis. I say, how'd you do it? Practice, repetition, habituation. You, If you want to change your life, you have to change your practice and engage in a new practice. And then when you engage in a new practice and repeat that practice, then it will become a habit as well. Uh, you know what I love? And no, I never talk about it that much, but here I love it is this. Great actors take on a character. They don't just take on the role of the lines that they read. They take on the character of that person. And then when they take on that character, they become different themselves. Renelle Zell, Renee Zellweger, what'd she do? She, she had to gain 40 pounds, 40 pounds to, to play that role that she played. Okay. Christian Bale, you know, the machinist. I mean, there's a million. I, I, I agree with you. This is the, Now you're speaking my language. I agree. You have to act to become. That's right. So why can't I be an actor that says I'm healthy and happy and a great love and everything? I say, you can, that's a role. Play that role. But if you let your program play it, you've already been programmed to play another role and it's not the one you want. So we talked about the first uh, way of programming, uh, headphones, nighttime, self-hypnosis. Second way, uh, new agey quote, fake it till you make it. Meaning you want to be happy, then pretend you're happy. Just pretend all the time. Pretend. I say, why is it relevant? Habituation will program into your subconscious you are happy. And one day you wake up, you don't have to pretend. You woke up happy in the first place. Why? Once that program through habituation has been put in, the function of the mind, make the program real. <laughs> so you, you, that's how you do it. 
And then the third way, because I need to get this done soon, and that is this. There's a new form of psychology called energy psychology. And I go, what the hell is that? And I go, well, it's a new way of learning. And I go, what do you mean? I said, maybe uh, you've heard of super learners, super learner. I said, what's a super learner? I said, well, one of the things they can do is they can read a book by just moving their finger down the page, just like that. Could be hundreds of words. <laughs> they got them. They can be in a bookstore, turn the pages just like that. Just like that, read an entire book in 10 minutes, okay? I go, wow, that's super learning. They read the book and understood. I go, some of these energy psychology practices engage super learning. Okay, so I say, well, what does that mean? I go, you can change a lifelong pattern in minutes. Walk away, different. Because some of these engage that super learning process that once you put in the program, it only takes minutes for it to pump that. It's ready. I mean, look, you have a computer. Let's say you've had a computer for 10 years. I go back and say, look at that document I wrote 10 years ago. There's the program. And I go, can I change it? I say, sure, here, erase this, put that in, put it in. I go, how long did that take? A minute. I changed the program. It's been in there 10 years. How long did it take? A minute. <laughs> I go, exactly. The same computer activity occurs in this brain. Uh, and just to let people know, on my website, simplebrucelipton.com, I have about 25 different modalities of energy psychology. You look at them and see if one of, you know, feels right for you, try it. You can change a program in minutes because, uh, you know, necessity, we, you know, uh, invention, mother, you know, nature inventing by a necessity. And I go, what's necessity? I say, human behavior is destroying the planet right now. We're going extinct. We're destroying the environment. We're, we're in what is called the sixth mass extinction of life, meaning five times there were mass extinctions. I go, well, five times the earth was thriving and some event, boom, blew it out. I go, the last time, 66 million years ago, hey, the place was flush with, you know, forests and all that and dinosaurs and all that. And a comet hit the earth, upended the web of life. Boom, dinosaurs gone. 75% of life disappeared and it started all over again. Today, we are in a mass extinction event that humans have undermined the web of life. And I go, what's the relevance? I go, we are the web of life. When the web of life crashes, we're not here. I go, oh, this, you mean we're going extinct? I said, yes, we are. He said, is that going to be thousand years? I go, no, decades. We're in the final throes of a, a, a system where the planet is crashing. We've taken the resources out. We're destroying the ecosystem with our thinking that we know how to control nature. It's like, you are nature. You can't control nature. <laughs> uh, and yet human technology and uh, and the kind of farming we're doing and the chemicals and the pollution and all this stuff is we, and this is not new. This is 15 years already. The science has recognized this, but the public has no idea about it because the media doesn't want to talk about it. The simple reason right. is this, because they hate the idea of telling, scaring people without giving them the answer of what to do. <laughs> so they just don't talk about it. We're going extinct and nobody's talking about it. <laughs> That's we unbelievable. Are. I mean, so you're saying that basically to reprogram uh, and retrain your brain and subconscious, you go into self-hypnosis, repetition, um, new habit formings, habituation, 
And you also said something about what you just said, energy psychology. Is energy psychology the same as super learning or energy psychology is a lot of different modalities? It, it engages the same character of super learning. As fast as you can read all the words okay. like that, the brain can also take a program and go, okay, I got it in, in minutes and change the thing. I mean, you can change a belief you had 50, 60, 70 years in 10 minutes, 15 minutes. But how? How? Super learning process. Well, that's the modalities that I gave that are called energy. Oh, technology. and that's the modality that I need to go and see, check. I got to learn about super, super learning, basically. I think Jim Quick talks about that too. Is that like the, do you know who Jim Quick is? No, I really don't. Oh, okay. Um, I have one other question for you and then we can, I can let you go back into your day. Okay. What I'm very curious about mental health, right? Because that is sometimes, you know, chemical, like your dopamine, your serotonin. Doesn't, how does that affect your ability for, you know, your positivity, your negativity, your belief system, your anchor beliefs? Is there ways to kind of like, how does, how does all of this work with when people have like a, an actual chemical imbalance? Yeah. Well, the chemical imbalance didn't start because of the, of the drug company's view. Oh, there's a broken chemical in there and we're going to give you a drug and replace that. I say, no, the chemical imbalance started up here because the imbalance is not a defect. It's a natural consequence of whatever the picture was up here. And then we give it, oh, that's not working right. It's an imbalance. I go, it's working exactly right according to whatever you're sending. And, uh, and that's the most important thing. There has to be something, and this is the hardest word, responsibility. <laughs> we have to have responsibility because when we keep giving the fact that I'm not responsible, the genes did it, those people did it, the government did it, I go, you have no power over your life because what you've just done is said I am powerless in every one of those statements. And I go, you want to take back power in life, then you have to recognize you are the powerful person. And then that means responsibility. And I go, uh, and, and the problem about all this, I'll just tell you right now, because I've given these lectures for 30, 40 years, you know, I know right. what the problem is. I come in and start to give them the science of, yes, your mind is creating all this. And then a lot of people go back and go, oh, I wouldn't have created that cancer. I wouldn't have done this thing, not me, I wouldn't do that. So blame, shame, victim, guilt, they, that keeps them from owning responsibility, okay? And I go, wait a minute, all of those words only apply if a person had knowledge beforehand of, uh, uh, you know, of what, of what they're doing, okay? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and I go... If I know that this is wrong and I do it, then I'm guilty. Then I should have shame, okay? I can be blamed, okay? But if I had no idea I was involved in any of this stuff that happened up to this minute, and I say, what about all that? I go, you weren't there. You had no knowledge. No knowledge, you had no power. So anything that happened in the past is irrelevant except for the learning, because why? Because the moment you take the power, there's a new future right now. <laughs> the, the past is only an expression of, I had no knowledge. Can I blame you for not having knowledge? Can I, you're a guilty victim, blame, shame person because you had no knowledge? Because no, <laughs> until you have no. knowledge, you have no power. Knowledge is I power. Knowledge is power. The only thing is, then, then my part, part B of that is, you talked about changing your habits, repetition. What are some of the habits that you recommend for people to do to help them? 
Like what are some of the habits besides the energy, uh, psychology, yeah. super learning? What well, are other okay. habits? Number one we talked about was this. Your life is a printout of your program. So if you start yeah. to see where it's failing, instead of going out there and looking at the world and saying, you world, you change. I go, no. Right. I change at that point. Okay. That there are many yeah. issues about this that are very important. Uh uh, one, one of the ones that is, you know, I mean, I have a whole little list of these things of, uh, of things like that. I said, you know, en- energy is life. Yeah, that's a given fact. You got energy, you got life. You got no energy, you got no life. And I go, guess what? People use their energy uh, foolishly. I go, what do you mean? I said, pretend you have a, not pretend, you have a bank account, a checking account. And you walk down the street and you go, oh, Jennifer, what beautiful hair you have. Here's $5 for you. Oh, Bill, you got a nice pair of shoes. You know, you should get $5 too. Uh, and you go down, you give away your money. I say, your money was your life. And I say, you don't give away your money. I say, but you do give away your energy. I go, what do you mean? I say, well, you get involved putting a lot of energy into things that return nothing to you. Mm-hmm. I go, like what? Oh, hey, go down uh, at your local bar. Get into an argument about politics, get all heated up, spend all that energy. Heat is wasted energy by definition in physics. You get all heated up, you wasted all that energy. You walk out of the bar and say, you just used a lot of energy. Did you change anything? No. Well, that was your money. <laughs> you just threw it out the window. And all of a sudden it says, if I give you an energy checkbook, it says, before I invest my energy, and I, before I write this check, does... Do I get anything out of it? Does the world get something out of this? Or am I just giving it away? And once you start to see that, there's a point where you start to realize, oh, my God, how many behaviors and things that we do in life are done because, well, we always do that. That's socially blah, blah, blah. And I go, who gives a damn? If you gave away your energy and you got nothing back, you have just shortened your life for nothing. So for me, that becomes important because... We use energy all day. And I go, yeah, but how much of that is returning and how much of that is just lost into space? You know, that. Uh, another thing that's real important to learn is there's no such thing as a last word. Because I say, what number is infinity? What number? You give me any number. I add one. We got a new infinity. I say it could be positive or it could be negative infinity. Okay. Last word is negative infinity. How, when is the last word? And I go, there is no last word. Why? Because uh, anytime you think you just said the last word, another one's going to show up. So I recognize this in my life, and it's really important. When I'm in conflict with somebody and there's a you know last word going back and forth, I recognize something very important. I let them win. I mean, Bruce, you're a stupid idiot. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a stupid idiot. I go, why? Why did? Why? What was relevant? I said, because what he's going to say. Bruce, I told you you were a stupid idiot. I go, yeah, we agreed on that. What else? And there's some point. It's like, you can't keep coming back with a stupid idiot. It's done. <laughs> I say, did I? Did, so I, I let them win? I go, yes. Why? I don't give a damn about them. <laughs> I give a damn about these people over here. And so right. I'm going to get into an argument with a last word. And that's where people just, they arguments extend. They never end. They extend. Hey. Arabs and Jews have been arguing over the same damn thing for 400 years, and they're still arguing over it. Uh, Still arguing, yep. Let them win. Because when they win, they go away. Ah, What a wonderful idea. Okay. Exactly. No, it's a 100%. I agree. I mean, with what your concept is, for sure, right? Like, 
you you should allocate your energy to places where it will behoove you and benefit you, so not just you or the drain world. you. It benefits you or, or the, the world. Then you're a contributor. I, Otherwise, you're just uh, throwing it away. And I go, right. people have to stop and say, what things am I doing in my life? We do because that's the way we always do it versus something that I really needed to do. And I start to say, the ones we always did, it's like, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> it's great. You'll, you'll enjoy your life. Uh, <laughs> I mean, right. simply, I could I'll always remember the first time that happened to me because I was reviewing this energy idea. And then I was on the faculty and one of my colleagues came in and said, Bruce, don't forget, we have the faculty party on Saturday night. What are you bringing? And I say, in my mind, like, that is the worst waste of time I've ever spent my whole life is go to faculty parties because they don't like each other. They stand around with a glass just looking at each other. It's Saturday night, man. That's my night. I worked all week. I got a Saturday night. No, you got to go to the faculty meeting because we all go. And I remember just saying, oops, oh, I forgot I had made other plans. I didn't realize that this weekend was the faculty meeting. And he, he looked at me like, you're not going to the faculty thing, the party? Oh, no. He walked out of the room. The moment he walked out of the room, it was like, oh, I got <laughs> Saturday night. It's my Saturday night to do what I want to do. And immediately, the first thought that came in my head was, what's next? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. next one. I'm cutting out of here. Why? I returned energy to me that I got nothing going to that faculty meeting for. I like I, I I I fully agree with that as well. Like you have to be able to like, and I think a lot of times people just do what they, what what they're supposed to do, what society tells, and they want to be polite, they want to be, they want to fit in, they want to say the right thing, and it and it's and it's so contrary to being true to who you are. People are afraid, and there's a lot of fear based in that. You know, like fit being, in, fit in. I go the fitting in. I don't want to fit in. Do Nor I do I. Friends with everybody in the world. No. In true life, if you have one or two close friends, you got something. Okay, one hundred percent. I could not uh, agree with you more. Many. I go. It's not how many. It's like you have to at least have one or two friends that you can have a heart to heart without filters, without beliefs, and talk and uh, and not be afraid of anything you thought. Uh, and then all of a sudden, that's success at that point. I. Could not agree with you more. I, I I really appreciate you being on this podcast. Uh, I really do. You, you were a great guest, great information. Thank you for your time. You've been very generous with your time. Of course, over an hour. Apologize. That's okay. Um, you know why? We're having a good time. There's no dead airspace in here. <laughs> no, no dead airspace. And the things that we're offering are things that we have learned collectively to take back power and control over our lives because we gave it up without even knowing how, why, when. Uh, and once we start to become aware, it's like, oh, wait, I want the life I want. And all of a sudden it says, yeah, well, you can have that. I agree. The book, by the way, I didn't even show it. It's called The Biology of Belief. This is one of many books that Bruce, um, Dr. Bruce Lipton has written. Um, this is probably the most uh, popular, most well-known. It's, it's like famous. I didn't even get into the other book, The, the Honeymoon Effect, oh, but you'll come back. I love that one. Yeah. I I wanted to I listen. Will you will you do me a favor before I, I I let you go? Will you come back on the podcast and talk about that one? 
I would love to because that for a guy who couldn't get a relationship off to the ground for over 45 years. Oh, I guess, guess what I found out? The program I got from my mother and father would never give you a relationship. <laughs> and then mine did. But once you understand this, then all of a sudden I created uh, a relationship uh, 23 years now, honeymoon every day. Wake up, celebrate being with each other, celebrate the day, and living in the most positive, wonderful way of life. 23 years, because people have had the honeymoon. I say, your life was blah, 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 then you met somebody, and 24 hours later, it was like, oh, life is so beautiful, I love everything. I go, how did that go blah, 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 and 24 hours later, you got this? And the answer was, we'll go back to what we talked about that normally 95% of my life is coming from the program. Right. When you fall in love, it goes the other way around. 90% of your life comes from the conscious mind. I say, which is that? Wishes and desires? I say, so when two people come together and are not playing programs, they're manifesting wishes and desires. That's, that's called the honeymoon. I go, and how come it doesn't last? <laughs> the answer is, the reason you experience this is you stop thinking. You stay what is called mindful. You, you keep present. You don't think. I go, well, what do you mean if I'm not thinking? I say, then you're not playing programs. And I say, so what, well, that? what does that mean? I say, well, the, you just made a relationship with what? The beautiful vision of what you want to be in your conscious, creative mind. The most wonderful person that you think you are and that your partner is seeing all of this. And then you've got heaven on earth. And then one day you start thinking because you got jobs, responsibilities and stuff. And you start thinking your partner comes up to you and says, oh, something sweet or something. And you go, blah, blah, blah. And your partner looks at you and goes, who, who are you? What is, what is that? That's the story of Bill, folks. Because all I mean, that I just oh, go ahead, go ahead. My parents' behavior, and the guess what? Oh, yeah. As these start to show up, they were never part of the honeymoon. When these programs that you didn't play start manifesting, honeymoon's going to disappear because now you're back into playing the stupid programs that that you have because you're thinking more. And then just playing the programs that you downloaded with, which are not very good. <laughs> and the honeymoon. Exactly. I like that. Will you come back and talk about this more I'd in another to. year and a half? I'd love to. <laughs> Thank you so much. Where do people find you? Just tell them. BruceLipton.com is your website. Yeah, that's a You're easy, also easy thing. So much of everything we talked about: downloadables, videos, audios, written articles. Download free. Awesome, and then also you're on you're off, you're on social media. Is it just doc? What is your what's your Instagram? It's what is your Instagram? Uh, those things, whatever they are. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, it, he'll find him. Just just look for Doctor Bruce Lipton. You guys will find him. Thank you so much. I loved this conversation. I appreciate you, um, and thank you again. Thank you. I so enjoyed being here, and I really appreciate that we have an audience. Because that audience now, with some of this information, has an opportunity to re-empower their lives and take back control and create the heaven on earth, the honeymoon that could last for your entire life. It was always there, but the programs got in the way. Change the program, the honeymoon lasts forever. 
Habits and hustle, time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind, don't stop, keep it going. Habits and hustle, from nothing into something. All out, hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries, tune in, you can get to know them. Be inspired, this is your moment. Excuses, we ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle Podcast, powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.